What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. The Fantasy Hockey Podcast is so nice, they named it thrice. I am your host, Ben Burnett. Joining me, as always, my pal and yours, the talented Mr. E, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, my friend, my pal, my bud, how you doing on this fine, fine Thursday evening? Doing great. Uh, I know you and I are both hoping for a short shifts recording bump, so fingers crossed. Let's uh, while we've got the uh, updates covered up, let's hope our guys can can make a surprise for us. I I don't like the way that that sentence sounds. I don't want to think about our guys making us a surprise. I want them to. Uh, just through their talent and their natural uh, skill, destroy my opponents for me. That's that's how I like to think about it. Yes, drive them before you, hear their wails. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we starting tonight, Lewis? We got to get into the news right away. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, this is something we almost talked about at the close of the last show. It was like happening as we were wrapping up and we thought, yeah, let's take a backseat and see how things develop. Um, and that is Kane Unable. Uh, so as we were wrapping up the show, uh, Evander Kane got tied up with Philippe Myers, went down on the ice, and then had his left wrist stepped on by Pat Maroon uh, with a slice from the skate blade. It was a really scary scene. Uh, Kane hustled off the ice. There was blood on the ice. It, you know, um, definitely really concerning. Uh, the Discord chat really was blowing up with with concern for for Evander. Uh, you know, he posted his thanks uh, to the Edmonton and Tampa Bay medical staff for providing quick and effective care. Uh, but unfortunately, especially for those holding Kane or fans of the Oilers, uh, the initial report here is that Kane should be expected to miss three to four months recovering from this injury. Uh, that obviously puts him out until, you know, uh, late in the fantasy season. Um, of course, you know, the kind of guy you could stash and have come back and really do a lot of good work for you, but that's a big hole to fill. Obviously, uh, you know, Kane, a guy who was scoring at a point per game and, and participating in a very high powered offense. Uh, in the meantime, uh, it looks tonight like Dylan Holloway is getting that first shot alongside Dreisaitl and Hyman. Uh, this should represent a pretty significant bump in ice time for the rookie who has seen under nine minutes in eight of his 10 games this season. Uh, you know, he hasn't shown us a ton at the NHL level so far, but not outside of expectations, obviously, with very limited minutes playing with depth pieces Derek Ryan and Devin Shore. Uh, at least he's been in on both goals that line has scored, so he's got 100% PP, uh, IPP there. Um, he doesn't shoot a ton. Uh, I'd expect him mostly to defer to his talented line mates. I'm definitely not rushing to grab him. Uh, and I'm assuming he'll just be the next in a long list of spare parts slotted in with McDavid or Dreisaitl that didn't do much. Uh, what it probably means is for Zach Hyman owners um, that he won't be, you know, at risk of flipping in and out of that top power play spot. Uh, he should hold it uh, during those months, I would imagine, for the most part. Uh, I know Brian and Elon... Um, it was either last Sunday or the Sunday before they were talking about Hyman's potential uh, as a point-per-game guy and how it kind of was somewhat limited because of that lack of power play time. But certainly he looks like he should be uh, a fixture of power play one for the bulk of the remaining season. So I guess I have two takeaways here, Lewis. Uh, one is 
that it looks like a nice spot for Yessi Puliyarvi, who is less likely, I think, to get to get bumped off of the McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins line. Uh, hopefully, we can start to finally see some production from Puliyarvi. Uh, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't be that quick to to knock Dylan Holloway, a player who really impressed during training camp, and I think who a lot of Oilers fans and writers have kind of asked for a better role for Holloway over the past few weeks. So. I mean, I hear you. Certainly, it's not something where I'm going to rush out and add him in in every league. But if I'm in deep leagues, if I'm in a league where I'm always looking for a bit of an offensive depth, uh, offensive depth add, um, I feel like Dylan Holloway represents at least some level of of opportunity that I'm not a uh, I'm not going to discount right off top. Uh, I've got a couple of injuries, uh, additional injuries to talk about next, Lewis. So we're going to start in Carolina. Talking about Freddie Anderson, who Rod Brindamore discussed prior to tonight's game, uh, playing coy a little bit about Anderson's status, saying before the game that he wouldn't call Freddie week to week, but that he doesn't see him walking through the door tomorrow. In the meantime, Antiranta is likely to get a run of starts here, and he's been just fine so far. Uh, obviously, the concern with Ranta is health. But considering he is 44% rostered and ostensibly a starting goalie until Anderson returns, I'm going to guess at least a week or two down the road. I'm definitely not looking a gift horse in the mouth here if I'm in need of goalie starts. You know, it's it's one thing to consider somebody's injury risk when you're drafting. But when you're just grabbing somebody up the waiver wire, if if Antiranta gives you three or four good games, those are that's very worthwhile. So, yeah, I, I, I'm very fine with somebody uh, wanting to stream in Antiranta over in Carolina. Would you call yourself pro Ranta? I yes, thank you for asking. I do consider myself pro Ranta. Um, over in Calgary next, Jonathan Huberto is missing tonight's game with an injury that the Flames called an upper body injury on Twitter. Uh, but last night, Daryl Sutter said that it was because he couldn't get his foot into his skate. I don't know uh, if Huberto is walking funny, but I don't know how the, the foot could be considered an upper body injury. Um, could be that the Flames are dancing around the truth. Maybe this is post-Elon Musk <laughs> Twitter foolishness, or maybe it's just a second injury. I have no idea. I, I tend to lean towards the former. Uh, Sutter has been clear about the fact that he does not want to give up any info that he does not have to to the Flames' opponents. Lots of chatter uh, lately on in the fantasy circles about Huberto going cold. He has just one point in his last five and only six points in 11 games this year. His lowest shot rate since 2014, his second year in the league. And a huge downswing in ice time that I know the Keeping Carlson fellas have talked about quite a bit. Injury aside, I am legitimately worried about Huberto, and I'd probably even offer him up on the trade block in my like league group chat if I had him, and just sort of see what's available. I'm not saying I definitely would take whatever is offered to me, but I would just be curious to know what people are willing to offer because I I feel like there must be somebody in every league who is more bullish on Huberto than me, despite the the cold streak, but. I don't know. Your mileage may vary on that one. Yeah, never bad to test the waters and find out what's out there. You know, you don't ever have to to bite on anything that you don't like, but gathering that information is always useful. Uh, So we'll get out of some injuries here and into some outcheries. 
And uh, we have to talk about Charlie McAvoy. Return of the Mac. It is Return of the Mac. Come on. Charlie McAvoy makes his return from off-season shoulder surgery, hoping to recapture his 59-point pace from 2021-22. No real notes here other than to activate McAvoy as soon as you have the chance. Hopefully you did already because he scored a goal in the closing seconds of the second period. Uh, you know, I think there are some people out there who are the type that really want to see how fully healed somebody is. But come on, this is a top pair, top PPD man on a high powered offense. Um, or at least he should be a top power play guy. I think it is worth noting that for the last couple games, uh, the Bruins have been running with a five forward power play setup. It was very successful for them in the previous game, uh, potting two goals in under 90 seconds of having, or just about 90 seconds of having that five forward group out there. Uh, so obviously that was very effective for them. I know they ran it out at least for parts of uh, Thursday night's games. Uh, I would jump over to Frozen Tools and check out their last game lines and see how things went on the power play. But you have to imagine that Charlie McAvoy will find his way in there pretty soon. I think most coaches are pretty conservative. I think it's only going to take a shorthanded break or two before they decide to put a defenseman out there on the power play. A lot of questions about Hampus Lindholm in the meantime. Uh, should he be dropped? Is he going to lose a bunch of value with McAvoy coming back? Um, Lindholm's been very capable in McAvoy's absence uh, with 13 points in 13 games, including uh, four power play assists, almost two shots a game. Uh, he is likely to be relegated to a secondary power play role, although, again, not sure what the, the Bruins have done tonight. Um, you know, I wouldn't be rushing to dump Lindholm. Uh, you know, he has, uh, I believe, 10 even strength points so far. This easily represents the best pace of his career. Uh, and those are just his even strength points. So even even without the power play, you know, he's been very successful. And I think he'll continue to have the opportunity to produce uh, both at even strength and at least on that second power play. Um, you know, I think that still makes him quite appealing. This is a high-powered offense he's getting to play. He has a nice contract. He's going to be afforded every opportunity, I think. And interesting, Lewis, if you look at the frozen tools for tonight's game, showing uh, showing the Bruins' power play usage so far, Lindholm has actually played above Charlie McAvoy on that second power play unit. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess when I think about it, I obviously agree with you. Like, I'm not dropping Lindholm regardless, but I feel like there's... I don't think there's any rule that says that you have to play Charlie McAvoy above Hampus Lindholm. Uh, just like there's no rule that says dogs can't play football. So I feel like, uh, yeah, maybe Hampus Lindholm kind of holds on to this role if he stays successful. And uh, if that's the case, then I, I feel like this might be one of the draft steals of the year. <laughs> Did you just airbud Hampus Lindholm? I, I, yes, this is an airbud situation. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. One more headline here before we get into our streak section, and that is in Vegas, where the Golden Knights have waived Laurent Brossois, theoretically finishing off the goalie triangle we've been fretting about since the Knights traded for Aiden Hill just ahead of training camp. Uh, both Hill and Thompson have obviously been excellent, which we outlined in our last segment when we discussed this situation, though we did erroneously state that all three of those goalies required waivers to be sent down. Uh, Logan Thompson is waiver exempt, so people were pretty concerned, I guess, preseason that if you draft Thompson, there's a possibility that he is the one who goes down. 
but I think our takes on the show were correct, which are that the Knights aren't going to want to mess with a good thing. Brassois was lousy in his conditioning stint. And now the Knights are likely hoping another team takes him off their hands to ride to rid them of the cap hit. Uh, all in all, very nice win for fantasy managers who roster Logan Thompson, as he seems to clearly be the 1A. Uh, though the longer Aiden Hill goes without losing, I, I feel like the team is likely to continue to split starts relatively uh, democratically. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's the way to think about it. And at least uh, we can rest easy uh, with the... You know, knowing that Thompson and Hill are going to be the duo moving forward. Let's take a quick break here, Lewis. And when we come back, we'll get into our streak section. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we are just cruising along into our uh, our streak section. And we're going to do one of your favorite moves here, which is to talk about the same team after the break as we talked about before the break. That's right. We're sticking around Vegas to talk about the Riley Smith hot streak. Five goals in Smith's last three games prior to tonight, and nine points in his last eight. Uh, shooting quite a bit, especially for Smith, who has never averaged more than three shots per game, uh, up to 3.2 on the year. And the big thing that's that's working is that he's really been solid on the power play. Already with four power play points through 15 games, uh, which doesn't sound, you know, uh, ridiculous. Like, it, there are lots of players in the league who are putting up much better power play point paces but if you look at riley smith's recent career just 17 power play points across the full three seasons prior to this one so the percentages are definitely indicating some regression on the power play he's been in on every goal that's been scored while he's on the ice uh on five on four his shooting percentage is a touch high but you know not so much that i'm terrified the big thing that worries me with smith is that his ice time is really down year over year. It's the lowest it's been actually since he played for Boston at 15 and a half minutes per night. Uh, right now, Smith is pacing for 66 points this year, but I really don't see that sustaining without an uptick in ice time. So if I have Smith, I'm definitely holding through the hot streak, but if he starts to fall off and those numbers continue to stay low, the minutes, I'm pretty good with cutting Smith back to the waiver wire when that time arrives. Yeah, I'm with you. You really want to see, you know, unless they are consistently producing points, I think if you're below 16 minutes, you're getting into scary territory uh, in terms of somebody you want to have on your team. You know, if you're thinking about, you know, a 12, maybe even 14 team league that's getting awfully low. Um, yeah, you know, definitely have seen a lot of success and, and hope he keeps it up. But yeah, I, I think you make a great point about that ice time. Uh, another guy who uh, is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum here from that over success on the power play, uh, and it even strength to an extent too. Ricard Raquel is the next guy I want to talk about for a cold streak here. Uh, just one goal, one assist in the last five games. But if we're going to call that a bit of a cold streak, then we kind of have to call his season a bit of a cold streak. Uh, he's only been about a half point per game. Uh, he's got an empty net goal in there, helping prop up his numbers a little bit. He does have five goals, so it's nice to see, uh, at least especially if you're in a league that counts goals a little higher, even in categories leagues where they're rarer. Uh, that's nice, at least. Um, but after starting the year alongside Crosby and Gensel, he spent recent games on Malkin's wing with Zucker. Uh, it's a bit of a downgrade, but not a huge one, especially Zucker's been quite productive uh, so far, nine points in 11 games. I'm not super enthused about how Raquel has been performing so far, but 
you know, looking under the hood, I think he definitely is uh, underperforming on the score sheet. Uh, and I think there's uh, some room to, to improve. And I think I'd be interested in going after him as a buy low. Uh, Ricky Rack has been in on less than 30% of the goals scored where he's on the ice at even strength. Uh, that's less than half his career average. Uh, the only power play goals he's been on have been the pair that he's scored uh, out of five total goals that have been scored while he's on the ice. So he's missing out on power play assists. Uh, and he's personally only shooting at five and a half percent at even strength, which is just a hair over half his career average. Uh, so if you regress those even strength numbers, you'd be looking at two more goals and two more assists potentially for 11 points in 13 games. And that's even before maybe adding in an extra power play assist in there. So if you've got Raquel, I would say hang in there. Uh, and if you are someone who is in the trade market, maybe offer someone who's on a hot run, um, but not getting the same level of deployment, like maybe a Miles Wood or a Kyle Palmieri. Uh, see if you can get a bite. I like the way that Raquel is shooting. Uh, you know, that even strength line is pretty solid. Power play two is what it is, but he might get into the top uh, there too. You know, Brian Rust is, is always in and out of the lineup. Uh, I'll knock on wood there. Uh, for all the Brian uh, Rust owners. But, you know, that's somebody that I think I would be interested in trying to buy low on based on uh, some of those under the hoods. So if we regress to this 12 points in 13 games, we're talking about a 76-point player in Ricard Raquel. Is that is that what you think uh, he is? I think or? I said he... No, I don't think he's... I, well, I said 11 points in 13 if we added on those extra goals and assists. Um, but then you no, said, I don't see him you said tapping a power out. play assist as well. Sorry. So. Oh, sure, sure. I gotcha. I gotcha. No, I think he's probably like more like capable of being a 65 point guy, I think is where I would be uh, willing to sort of uh, aim at him if I was targeting him in a trade. Um, but definitely, I think that's above what Miles Wood or Kyle Palmieri is going to be capable of. So like I said, kind of turn one of those hot streaks into a guy who I think can be a 60 point plus player. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, we're talking Kyle Palmieri, Miles Wood, we're talking what, like, 10% rostered or yeah, 12% for Miles Wood, five for Kyle Palmieri. Uh, I feel like we're just talking about like waiver wire fringe players at this point. So I would even say I would drop one of those guys for, for Ricard Raquel. If he starts to turn it around, that might be the, the range that we're looking at with Raquel is, yeah, I don't think I would trade for him right now just because he's off that top line. He was looking really good up there, but I don't know, like just we have a long history of this man being very disappointing. I do like the shots. I will I will give you that that the the three and a half shots per game is real nice, but I don't know. Maybe he just is a fifty five point player and and that's okay. Jason Zucker style, like a guy who's good but not really someone that needs to be rostered in fantasy. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I like the a little bit of cold water, a little bit of uh hitting the brakes on there. I can see it. Well, let me pour some more cold water, uh, not on you, Lewis, but on my boy Eric Mike Comrie, as, as he's come to be known <laughs> around these parts, uh, since I always call him Mike Comrie accidentally. Uh, I was so excited to add him in multiple leagues after Comrie crushed that back-to-back -back with Edmonton and Calgary uh, earlier in the season. But he's been kind of cursed ever since. And if you told me after those two games that he would get two-thirds of the starts the rest of the way, I'd have said, all right, Comrie is definitely going to be worth rostering rest of season. But I've actually since cut bait in the cupful because he has been so mediocre ever since. Just one quality start in his last six games. 
Uh, Buffalo's been decent, so he has continued to get some wins, but that's really about it, as his save percentage is at 890, and he's allowing three and a half goals against per game. Uh, Buffalo does continue to look decent, so I'm definitely not saying you have to cut bait on Comrie, especially uh, in categories leagues where where wins are are actually going to be driving some some wins for your fantasy team. But the stock is way lower, and the underlyings continue not to look very great, other than that one two game sample size. So I, I still think he's probably going to have the opportunity to work through it, as Buffalo does seem pretty hesitant to overwork Craig Anderson. I do think the leash is pretty long on Eric Comrie. So if you could if you could let him work it out on your waiver wire and you can pick him up for a stream down the road or if he starts to turn it around, maybe give him the speculative ad at that point, I still think he might be a good option long term. I just really don't want him sinking too many seasons while he figures that out. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get on to our last hot streak of the night, and it is a familiar name from this time of year. It is Troy Terry, hot again to start the season, mirroring his success that last year made him a fantasy darling and probably the most talked about player uh, to start the season. While he had 19 points in his first 14 games last year, he's very close to that with 17 and 14 here in 2022. Uh, his points participation is inflated. He's getting uh, a goal or an assist on 86% of goals scored while he's on the ice at even strength. Um, but his individual shooting percentage is down to 11.5 from last year's 15.5, which is more like his typical shooting. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, we're not looking for shooting percentage regression anyway. Um, but what's interesting is that while he might lose out on a few even strength assists when his IPP regresses towards his average, I think he has room to grow on the power play. Uh, through 14 games, Terry is already halfway to his 21-22 power play shots total. Uh, he has 12 and 14 games compared to 25 shots in 73 games on the power play last year. Um, but while last year he scored on 32% of his power play shots, he's actually scoring uh, on a higher percentage of his even strength shooting than power play shots this year, only 8% shooting on the power play. So I think Terry could be more productive scoring goals on the power play moving forward, and he's shooting more. That's pretty nice to see. Um, I don't think he's going to keep up the 1.2 points per game pace that he's got going. Last year, he cooled off and ended up right about 0.9 points a game. Uh, so I think if you can trade Terry for a true point per game guy off of this early success, maybe mentioning that room for power play improvement, I think I'd go for it. But otherwise, I don't see any reason that it's so overinflated that he can't, you know, uh, keep producing at a pretty solid 70 point, uh, maybe 70 point plus pace. Uh, so, you know, I think if that's the case, then he's going to be a hold for me. Yeah, I think, I think you're underselling Troy Terry. I think he's, I think he's a point per game guy at this point. Um, yeah, I think he's, I think Troy Terry's a a star. I think he's just a very talented player on a very good team. And he's got Trevor Zegras, uh, centering him. I think those two are, yeah, like 70, 75, I would say is the floor for Troy Terry this year. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I love Troy Terry. Okay, so if you're saying 70 to 75 points is the floor, then are you not interested in trading Troy Terry for a point-per-game guy? Like, would you trade Troy Terry for Cole Caulfield? No, I would not trade Troy Terry for... I mean, like, yeah, like, that's around where I would want him. Uh, Cole Caulfield, to me, 
I think I would lean Terry, but yeah, Cole Caulfield's about the right price where I would start to, that's, that's the tier where I would have those two for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Interesting. All right, Lewis, that's all the time that we have for tonight for myself, Ben Burnett. Thank you all for listening. And Lewis, thanks for hanging out with me. I look forward very much to seeing y'all back here next Tuesday for our next short shift. Yeah, and I believe we'll be able to stream on Twitch around 8.30, uh, keep, or twitch.tv slash keepingcarlson. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, please be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. Brian and Elon can be found at Keeping Carlson, and Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme is at NHL Stream Scheme. Definitely recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL, all organized very nicely at the site gamedaylinetweets.com. Visit that site. And the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. Thank you.